Today, I just want to review a little bit, really. We've had some amazing sermons, and I feel like if we move too fast, we don't even let it sink into us. Like, we just move on, and like I said last week, sometimes we forget what that great sermon was that we heard just a few weeks ago. And, you know, I alluded in a sermon that I preached maybe a month or so ago, sometimes we're sitting there judging, like, ooh, that was a 9.9. And then, like, "Mm, that was not bad, 6.5. And then, like, well, I didn't really like that topic, so I'm going to give that a three. And I said, sometimes we're sitting there judging, but, you know, today I'm going to judge your listening. And so, <laughs> and so sometimes I'm like, are they even here? Wait, do they even get a three? I realized that I'm a good listener. I'm a good listener, but I miss things. I miss things that God is saying through people up here. And most of the people up here are my spiritual kids, but I receive from them. See, they are God's vessel chosen for that day to bring something my way. I receive, I've received so much from John's two last messages. I needed those messages. And so I want to review a little bit because the truth is we don't just want to hear something. We want to apply it. We want to apply it. But the truth is we can't apply what we didn't hear or what we don't remember. And I mean, I'll go, Alan, and Alan goes, I don't remember. I go, well, how can you not remember? And so we've got to remember some things to apply them. We've got to hear things to apply them. And so John preached two sermons. One was last Sunday in May on enjoying God. How many of you were here for that? And if you weren't here, I sent videos to a lot of you. You can always get them on Facebook. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel. Enjoying God, that's quite an interesting topic, but really it was about becoming intimate with him again. It, it just made me hunger to be in that place again But I thought, but God, I've got a lot going on right now, so it's hard to enjoy you because my circumstances aren't enjoyable. So then he came in with part two. In part two, he told us that even if everything around us wasn't enjoyable, we could still enjoy God. And so the truth is, remembering that, I told Alan, I'm enjoying God in the midst of what's going on at my house. I'm enjoying God in the midst of what's going on with Easy. I'm enjoying God in the midst of all the trouble and trials I've had. I'm enjoying God that my refrigerator and freezer went out. I'm enjoying God when my dehumidifier went out and flooded my storage area. I'm enjoying God because none of that's enjoyable, but that doesn't have to take away my ability to enjoy God. And so, see, we need to listen more than once. Do you know that I listened to his first sermon five times? And I don't have a lot of time, but while I'm washing dishes, that sermon is on. While I'm making the bed, while I'm cleaning the bathroom, that sermon is on. And so it got into me. But his second sermon, I listened to it last Sunday with all of you. And I didn't listen to it again. And last night I thought, you know, I'm going to listen to it again. And so instead of working on my sermon, I started listening to it again. And when I listened to it the second time, I heard something that I hadn't heard the first time. And I realized that he gave us homework. Do y'all know that? Do you know he gave us homework? Who did it? (laughs) You did? Did you? No, no. (laughs) Thank you for your honesty. We appreciate that. Okay, who didn't? Let's all raise our hand. Who didn't? Okay, all of us? Okay, who did the homework? Anybody? Do we? You did? What'd you do, Alicia? You got it. You got it. He said... I want you to read John 14, 15, and 16. Now, here's the truth. In my second listen, I thought he just said, read John 14. So then I read it. Then I went back last night, and I listened a third time, and I'm like, it wasn't just 14. It was 14, 15, and 16. And so I present to you, I submit to you, that I'm a good listener, and I'm missing stuff. 
And so we need to listen to things over and up. Faith comes by hearing. If we don't hear it, our faith might be here when God wants it here. And so we need to start listening to these sermons more than one time. I played the video. I listened and I watched. I listened and I watched. But more got into me. More got into me. And so I want to give you some zingers. I sort of gave away the homework. I was going to save it for a minute. I'm going to give you some zingers. I told John, ooh, I loved your zingers. He goes, zingers? I wasn't trying to do zingers. I go, no, it's these one-sentence things, these little one-liners. I go, maybe when I grow up, I can say stuff like that. But he read a passage, and he said, have you noticed here in this passage, man is telling God what to do? We do that, and we call it prayer. I'm like, ooh. Then he said, the only difference between us and an unbeliever shouldn't be that we move our car on Sunday. That we have the same depression, the same anger, the same situation. We need to move our hearts on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I'm like, oof. See, we need to remember that. We need to hear that again. We need to hear that again. He said, we read that Jesus withdrew to a solitary place. And we think, yeah, I'm like Jesus. And he goes, no, you just don't like to be around people. And you don't want to help or serve. (laughs) And I'm like, oof. Now, that's not me. He said, it's not about introverts and extroverts. See, it's about what is God wanting at the time. And so then he even told on himself, and he said, I have an active mind. You know, these people who say they're thinking about nothing, I wish I could think about nothing, John said. He goes, I'm always thinking about something. But it's harder to have quiet time with an active mind, but it's worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for. And so the homework was John 14, 15, and 16. And before we move on, I'm figuring there's probably a few other things we didn't hear, and I really like the part where he said, you know, some of us use the name of Jesus like a rubber stamp. Name of Jesus, name of Jesus, name of Jesus, name of Jesus. He goes, it's not about us saying it. He goes, it's about us praying the way Jesus wants us to pray at that moment. Whole different thing entirely. He said, some of you, if you get to the place where there's no distractions, you're afraid that you're going to hear from God about your failure or your condemnation. But you're not. You're going to hear God say how much he loves you. The one that was pierced, with pierced hands, he picks you up. And the one that was pierced so that you don't have to be. And so there was so much in there. There was so much impartation in those messages. And then he prayed, God, don't just change our circumstances. Change us. Change us. And then he said, be open to change about even the way you do your quiet time. See, you might have this little ritual that you've done your whole life and it serves you well. And God may say, well, wait, let's, let's move that around. Let's change that up. Right now in this season, this is what I want from you. And that's even part of the communication and hearing from him. And so at the very end, he goes, you know, I'm thinking about all the sermons that I've heard at the epicenter. But how many have I applied? And he goes, not enough. Not enough. Jesus withdrew to be with the Father in the midst of distractions, and we must too. So I'm going to say, listen to the messages more than once, and if you get homework, be sure and do it. Very good, Alicia. I'm proud of you. And um, the truth is, we always, though, have homework, because these messages can't just work while we're sitting here in church. They can't just work while we're all, like, holy and looking nice and keep our, our church face up. They need to work at home. They need to work at home when we're not here. And so the last time I remember, though, a specific assignment of homework is Alan when he preached a message in 2016, and it was called Adverse Possession. And I think he re-preached it in 2019 per my request, but at the very end, he gave us some homework. And if you don't know what adverse possession is, I've been reading, do you ever read the Nextdoor app? 
those people are mean. Like, our neighbors are mean. Like, I'm like, whoa. They said that this poor little person just, you know, puts this little entry, and they start getting slapped. One, you know what? Back and forth, and people are mad, and somebody else, then they argue with that one, and then they have seven replies, and then they refute it. And then like, I'm like, whoa, this is like, this is like watching Judge Judy, you know, on paper. And so, <laughs> but the next door app recently had this little, this little post about how somebody was just incensed that a vacant home in their neighborhood had been inhabited by a family, and they were living there, but they didn't own it. They didn't pay rent. It wasn't their property, but they were in there, and there were some kids, and so then they felt bad for the kids, but this was not right, and then they called the police, but the police didn't want to make a move because, see, the, the law of adverse possession means that the police can't really make the judgment call. They're not a judge. They're not a jury. They can't kick them out, and so they felt like it's, it's ruining the neighborhood because there's, there's crime that could happen. We don't know the background on these people. They shouldn't be doing this. So adverse possession, landowners are shocked to learn that actually trespassers can come onto your land, they can occupy it, and they can gain legal ownership of it. The trespasser might acquire a few feet of property or maybe even a whole acre in this manner. So if someone is using your property... Alan said in his message, even a small strip just on the edge, you should be alert to the risk. The legal doctrine that allows trespassers to become owners is called adverse possession. Now, all the people on the next door app were just outraged about it. And then a few merciful types goes, but wait, the children need a home. You know, and there, there's all these issues, you know, that were brought up. But in our lives, how much adverse possession is happening to us each and every day, and we just allow it without any kind of outrage, without any kind of resistance. The devil comes, and he gets a little toehold, and, you know, he has this thought and this little thing he says to you, and you sort of go, oh, I don't know, I don't know about that, but then he says it again and again, and faith does come by hearing. What, no matter what you're hearing, you start to believe what you hear the most, and the thoughts you hear the most are what you believe, and so he gets a toehold, but then all of a sudden he has a foothold. He has your whole foot. And he starts to trip you up. And then it becomes a stronghold. And before you know it, it is what you believe. And you are stuck with it. And it becomes who you are. And it affects your identity. Now, in the closing minutes of Alan's sermon in 2016, he said this. And I'm going to quote because I actually got the notes from him. He said, you need to prayerfully go to the Lord and make an incident report. He called it an incident report of everything the enemy has stolen in your life whether it was because of an act of neglect on your part or whether the enemy gained authority by adverse possession. The title deed, though, is actually yours. You have an inheritance in Jesus, and therefore you can legally remove the enemy from further trespassing. Further trespassing. Anything the devil has stolen, God is able to restore it all to you. He has no rival. <laughs> he has no equal. We serve the king of kings. It's not like, oh, the devil has just as much power. We'll just see who wins this time. No. He has no rival. He has no equal. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. If we walk in him, if we abide in him, if we take advantage of the power he has given us and the authority that he says is ours, we can have victory. Now, I believe with all my heart, you can't be vague, though, concerning these things. You have to be very specific. The enemy knows when you're, you know, these people go, I just cast out every spirit in the name of Jesus. Nothing happens. Uh, <laughs> but once you get revelation knowledge, once you see the enemy, he knows you have authority over him. He knows you know who he is. You've seen him. I've seen it time and time again. They get and they go, ooh, I cast out that spirit of, the, and that, everything changes. 
There's a specificity that operates in the spirit realm. And so you must get specific and vagueness won't cut it. You must draw your boundary lines. You must know what your property is. But we many times settle when we shouldn't settle because it's how it's always been. It's how it's always been. The lady in the Bible with the issue of blood, 12 years. Why do we think that if something's just been there a little while, it's easier for God than if it's been there a long time? What does it matter? But we have this weird mindset. Oh, we've only had this two weeks, so I think God can heal me. But, oh, if I've had it for years, ah, out of his wheelhouse. What is wrong with us? Twelve years. She had even spent all her money on her malady, her condition. And yet, in an instant, she was healed. Blind Bartimaeus, his whole life, he was born blind. He never knew anything else. Some of you have never known anything else but the condemnation that runs through the back of your mind. Some of you have never known anything else but that failure mentality that was fed to you even as a child when people made fun of you and called you names. Some people have never known anything else but confusion. Blind Bartimaeus, he never knew anything else but blindness. So that's, that's too hard for God, right? That's, it's been too long, right? Too long. Too long. You're excluded. Too long. And yet he was healed fully and got his sight. The man with the withered hand. You know, I, I always love that story because it's sort of that thing we don't want anybody to see. See, because he went into the temple where he wasn't supposed to be with anything that was impure or imperfect. And, 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 you know, the one thing, he wasn't supposed to be there. You weren't supposed to go in there if you were maimed or lame or had an imperfection or a, a disability. You weren't supposed to be in there. Well, that's all of us. And then he's hoping nobody will really notice. And, of course, Jesus has to say to him the one thing he doesn't want to hear, stretch forth your hand, show everybody what's wrong with you. But when he did what Jesus said, his hand was restored and made whole as the other. The woman who was bent over, crippled, 18 years. I don't think our track record can beat these people. So no matter how many years it's been, that something is a certain way, it can change. It can change. Matt Rice is a, I was going to say a young preacher. He's young because he's probably 50. And so to me, that's young. And he preached for us when he was in his early 20s, in the late 90s. Fabulous little preacher. He's a pastor now in Ohio. And Pat Robertson of 700 Club, some of you know that name, some of you don't. Easy was on the 700 Club years ago. Ben Kinchlow, I think, interviewed him. He passed away this past week, great general of the faith in broadcasting especially. And many times on his program, it was just common that words of knowledge would be called out. And I think when Easy was on the program, he called out words of knowledge and people called in, yes, I got healed of that, yes, I received that. And, and so Pat Robertson would call out words of knowledge and Matt Rice says, I remember when I was a young man, he goes, he was in junior high, the, the last part of junior high said, I had suffered debilitating migraine headaches all my life. He goes, they happen regularly. I remember days of like trying to avoid bright lights. I remember the pain. I remember the awful triggers that would set them off, having to be in a dark room. And I went to my grandparents' house and they had the TV on. And Pat Robertson's program was on, the 700 Club. And Pat called out, God is healing someone of migraines. He goes, and, and in my heart, I heard this still small voice that said, claim that for yourself. And he said, but what's odd is that wasn't phraseology that I used. I never heard people say, claim that. 
He said, but that voice had such peace on it. I just thought I needed to do that. And I go, I claim that. And that's all he did. I, I claim that because God gave him the unction to do that. And he said, from that moment on, he goes, there was no emotion in that moment. There was no great rush of anything. There was no feeling of any kind. But from that moment on, he goes, this is like 40 years later. He goes, I've never had a migraine. I've never had a migraine. And so he goes, so I just want to thank God for the ministry of Pat Robertson. He put it on Facebook and how much it's meant in my life. And then other people, you know, started saying all the things that Pat Robertson meant, you know, in their life. And I remember after Alan's sermon, John and I talked about the fact that we both did our homework. And we did an incident report. And John's were from long ago back then. It was like things in childhood, things that had been said to him maybe by his father or maybe by others. Just, you know, we say foolish things to people in a moment of emotion, don't even mean it, and we don't know the effect it might have on them. And, and he said um, things from his upbringing, things people said. Mine at the time in 2016 were more recent. Thoughts related to circumstances I'd gone through from the discouragement that I had. So, see, incidents can be not just in the physical realm. They can be in your thought realm. And so that's even more important sometimes because as a man thinks in his heart, the Bible says, so is he. And it, it sort of feels to me like we're leaving a lot of unfinished business, yet Jesus said, it is finished. He said, it is finished. So we have the ability to come into a place where there's more completion, but we're settling for letting these things just sort of dog us over and over and over. And so 1 Corinthians 1.18 for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, being saved, it is the power of God. That's the New King James Version. Now, if you look in the King James Version, it says to us who are saved. But every other translation says to us who are being saved. Every other translation. And scholars have all these huge dissertations about which is the proper, you know, translation. But the truth is there is a process in our life. Because we come in, and yes, we're going to go to heaven. Yes, his spirit and ours get joined. But we're not whole. We're not all healed. We're not all okay. Everything is not made new except our spirit man. But there's other areas of our soul that need to be transformed. And so we are being saved progressively. And so there's all this stuff, you know, if you look it up about it, it's a present passive participle with a dative plural masculine. So if you understand that, you can argue about it. But anyway, <laughs> in, in, in the translation... But to us who are being saved, after you're born again, there's more salvation for you. There is a progressive process. But the truth is the devil also has a process. He has a process. What is foreign to you, like you're a little child and you just think, you know, you're, you're a good little girl and, you, you know, mommy and daddy love you. But then all of a sudden, these horrible things are said to you. It's foreign to you. It's it's like a new thing. It's like it, it, it trespassed on your land. But that word comes your way, and it begins to plant in your soul. And so what's foreign to you, given enough time and not contested, will no longer be foreign. It will become familiar. It will become familiar. So what was so outrageous now becomes, hmm, maybe I am. Maybe I will. Maybe I do. Then what's familiar becomes routine. When something is routine, it becomes normal. What's normal becomes engrafted, and it becomes a part of us. 
So all of a sudden, something that is foreign, that was never even supposed to be near us, becomes a part of us, a part of us. James 1.21, but the word of God says, receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls, your souls. So there's a dispossessing of the old that God has for us and, a, and an embracing and possessing of the new. John 1.17, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth by Jesus Christ. Okay, the truth is that the book of Joshua is probably, in the Old Testament, is probably one of the best examples of possessing land, the land that we're promised. And, you know, repetition is the first law of learning. That's why I started out saying, you need to re-listen to these sermons. You need to hear them over and over again. God knows that repetition is the first law of learning. Do you, did it never occur to you how crazy it sounds in, in Joshua, the first few chapters, how many times he repeats himself? You're like, oh, my God, this is like my mother. She just says it over and over and over. God did it. God says over and over and over them. He says, be strong, be of good courage. Two paragraphs. Be strong and be of good courage. Three paragraphs down. Do not be afraid or dismayed. Two more paragraphs. Do not be afraid. Like, I'm like, whoa. He just says it over and over. What does this tell you? They were prone to fear. And God is trying to replace what was in them with a different truth the way he saw them. You've, heard, you've felt that fear for years. So you think one little mention, all your life, you felt like you couldn't accomplish anything. All your life, you felt like you were going to fail. All your life, you were afraid to try things in case you wouldn't get it right. All your life, you had problems in school. All, and then somebody walks by and goes, you can do it. You're looking good. Is that going to fix you, that one little mention? See, if the thing is embedded in you, Something else has to sort of keep pushing it out. <laughs> it has to get in there and graft and push it out. And so God himself uses this law of repetition, repeating himself a crazy number of times. But, you know, the devil says stuff over and over, too. He's well aware of this principle. He says this stuff over and over. The stuff that runs in our mind is the same, oh, same, oh, same, same, oh, same, until all of a sudden he doesn't even have to say it anymore. We're saying it. We're saying what he said. And so... Something that hadn't happened in forever for the Israelites under Joshua, God is saying now was going to happen. Something that they'd been hearing about forever, but it hadn't happened, now God says it's going to happen. Huh, like revival. We've been talking about revival a long time, but somebody said, you know what? We're not waiting for it. We're in it. We're in the beginning stages. Asbury, beginning stages. Those colleges, beginning stages. Some of our services, beginning stages. Some of our times we couldn't even preach because God was here so strong. Beginning stages. But see, sometimes we're not careful. We think if something hasn't happened in a long time, it's not going to. Like our healing. If it hasn't happened in a long time. But see, with them possessing the land, God, it hasn't happened. In a, they'd been hearing about the promised land since Abraham. <laughs> They've been hearing about this promised land a long time. But now God says, it's going to happen. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Have courage. Maybe it's our prosperity, our financial breakthrough. Maybe it's what God prophesied over us. It hadn't happened. There are prophecies that God gave us that didn't happen for 20 years. Some happened overnight, but some took 20 years. 
But God says, now you're going to switch from proclaiming the promise to possessing the promise. Proclaiming to possessing. Joshua is a type in the Bible of Jesus. He represents a new day dawning, an era of grace. See, the, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Joshua is a representation of Jesus. The law and grace. And so there's an era of grace, but we have to mix grace with faith. But in a moment, what we cannot do in our own strength all become possible. We tried to get a stadium. Easy tried to get the Mercer Stadium people over here on, uh, you know, across from the Dulles High Schools to allow us to use their stadium for months and months and months. People wouldn't even return his phone calls. We went to a meeting. Dale Gentry prophesied, y'all are going to have stadiums with young people. The next morning, Mercer Stadium called us and said, by the way, y'all can have the stadium. <laughs> the promised land was the place of rest for the people of God. But notice the theme of the whole book is rest from their enemies, yet it's always where all the battles were fought. If you're willing to fight the battle in your victory, you will have rest. But the enemy will give you no rest if you let him conquer you. And so when you were victorious over the things you're battling, there is rest. And God intends you to be victorious. But there's different instructions for different battles. In Exodus 14, to cross over the Red Sea for Moses, the Lord divides it and has the people walk across on dry land. So then it would seem like every time they come to a body of water, they'll go, well, remember that time when God said uh, he's going to just divide it and then we're, we're going to walk on dry land? And, you know, you can do this thing where you think God did it like that and that's how he's going to do it now. But really, that's where you can't be separated from him. You have to be intimate with him. You have to spend time with him. You have to know what he's saying now. In the name of Jesus, what is Jesus saying now? And so for Joshua to cross a body of water, the, the Jordan, in Joshua 3.13 the Bible says, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest rested in the Jordan, they touched water. It wasn't dry land. It was water. Wait, God did it dry last time. Is this water right? Well, you know, if, if God says do it, it's okay. And so, and then the waters were cut off and they stood as a heap. See, sometimes you play a part in the miracle. You play a part by following the instructions. I saw Alan, thank you, Alan, put the sign out there. We're taking it back. Did anybody notice that? The, the sign for 2022. Can anybody remember 2022? Okay, we've had so much stuff happen <laughs> since December 29th of 2022 till now. It's like, ooh, 2022, when was that? And last year we said, this is the year to take it back. Take back everything. Everything the enemy has stolen, we reclaim in Jesus' name. And we put it on our sign because in the beginning of the year, Alan began to sing it and worship, and the Holy Spirit was on it. Sort of like today, he was on. You have no rival. You have no equal. When the Holy Spirit's on something, we stay on it. There was a service when we stayed on one song for one hour. And you might go, ooh, I wouldn't like to be there. Oh, it was glorious. <laughs> it was glorious. And you go, that seems so boring. Oh, it wasn't boring. It was, it was magnificent. Like the Holy Spirit, just in one little verse of a song, just said so many things, and people got delivered, and all kind of things happened. But we're taking it back was our theme for last year. In January to November, Easy and I didn't have a whole lot to take back because we were okay. <laughs> now, 
our life savings got stole from us, you know, several years ago, and people have prophesied it's going to be restored, and that's hard to believe. See, I'm, I'm probably not mixing enough faith with it yet, because they go, oh, it's going to be restored sevenfold. Well, seven times $650,000 is up in the four millions, and I mean, that just seemed, I'm very economical, and I'm like, I can get by on a little, you know, and I, I can make this stretch, and you know, we don't, you know, we're, we're careful with our money, but I mean, if God says, we need to start believing what God says. That $4 million can go a long way in the kingdom. And so I need to go ahead and go, okay, that's not like me. Well, it doesn't need to be like me. It just needs to be like God. And so I admit I'm lacking in, in that, that area there. And, and so Kirk, I might get Kirk to lay hands on me, the kingdom people. Okay. And <laughs> but see, there's areas we could be strong in and areas we might be weak in. But January to November, we did fine. We didn't have a lot to take back. And so we were just fighting for other people, all was well. But by the end of December, you know, his back started acting up, and he had that little fall, and Dan and Alicia had to come over and help us get him up, and we're like, oh, what's wrong with his back? And he had over-exercised and seemed like, what's wrong? And, and then, uh, like, I can't remember when you gave the word, Terry. Terry had a word, but it might have been um, right before the diagnosis even. I'm not even sure. I'm not sure when you gave that word from Psalm 84 about he'll go from strength to strength about the Valley of Baca. And I tried to find it in his phone, and his phone has, a, things have a way of disappearing in his phone. And um, he says it, it, it's not him. And so anyway, I can't find it in his phone, but Terry had a word about he's going to go from strength to strength. But then his back keeps acting up, and we start running some tests, and we find out after this miraculous healing from cancer back in 2019, the beginning of 2019, of a huge tumor that disappeared and all the cancer was out of the lymph nodes and the doctors couldn't believe it, that four and a half years later, we get this diagnosis in February that he has stage four lymphoma. And we're like, no, 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 not another battle. And I want to be real honest with you. We thought, okay, he's 90 now. Lord, is this his time? And, and we both prayed, like, is it his time? And he says, it's not. And I said, okay, we're going to go with that. We're going to go with that. And then we got some prayer here recently, and they said, it's not, Alan even goes, your job is not finished. Your assignment is not over. And I'm like, Alan, he's 90. Okay, but, I, <laughs> but see, if God says something, we need to go with it. We need to go with whatever it is. And so I started, you know, Terry had that word about strength to strength. Well, it got a little detour. He went weak, but God is still saying strength to strength. See, his word doesn't die in the midst of our circumstance. Then Alan prayed that Sunday he wasn't here, strength to strength and glory to glory. And he didn't even remember her word. Ed Trout prophesied years ago, he'll be strong till the day he dies. And then he says, it's not his time. But see, sometimes you've got to fight over your words. Then you've got to fight for your words. But sometimes you've got to fight with your words. With your words. What is that word that God told you? See, that's why, I said, what is the word God told you? Has it come to pass? There was a time I was so sick, I didn't know what was going to happen to me. But God had said, I was going to do some things. And I go, I can't do them like this. I got to get well. So this isn't how I'm going to stay. And so I told Easy, so, so this week, Easy was getting frustrated that he's just tired of not being as strong as he used to be. So it just makes sense that I go, honey, you're 90. <laughs> 90 is not 87, 90 is not 88, 90 is 90. And he, and he goes, I think it's the, you know, and we'll find, a, we'll find what we think it is. And so he goes, I think it's that protein powder you've been buying me. He goes, <laughs> he goes, you know, Tim used to tell me to take that protein powder that I mixed, and I was strong then. I go, you were 60 and 70 then. And he goes, I think it's that protein powder. It doesn't have enough grams of protein. And I'm like, it's not the protein powder. But then I'm in the kitchen, and I hear him downstairs on the phone, and I hear him going, 
well, how do you mix that protein powder? How do you? And I'm like, I, I go, who are you talking to? And he goes, I called Tim. That's Evander Holyfield's trainer. And he says, and I ask him, Lena needs to get me a better protein powder. And then Tim sent a picture of it, and it's the protein powder that I've been buying. And so anyway, so we check. It's not the protein powder. <laughs> he's, not, he's not laughing. Okay, and so <laughs> we'll talk when we get home. Okay, and so... <laughs> And so then he, he looks at me one day and he goes, I'm going to the gym tomorrow. And I go, you're 90. You know? <laughs> and he goes, I know it. And I, and I go, but you have a cane now. The last time you were in the gym, you didn't have a cane. I go, I, I don't want you to fall in the gym because I'm not going to fall. He goes, I'm going to get stronger. He goes, I'm not as strong as I need to be, and I'm going to the gym. And so I can go, you're 90. You're on chemo. You're this. You're that. But see, he went to the gym. He's stronger already. Sometimes we need to co-labor with God. Sometimes we play a part in the miracle. And then I told him last night, I said, on June 19th, you have a PET scan. You have a PET scan. I'm believing for all or most of the cancer to be gone. He goes, most? There's no most of this. He goes, no, Jesus paid it all. And I mean, <laughs> so he's serious about possessing his promises. See, it's not any good to live long if you can't be strong. It's miserable. And so you need to live long but strong. One time in this last four or five months, I, I told him in a moment of discouragement when, when it just looked like we're tired, how, how long are we going to do this, oh, Lord? And I said, you know, it was easier the first time. I said, you know, then we had that word that was given to us a few months before saying the devil's going to try to kill you. The devil's going to try to come and take out your life prematurely, but the devil will not succeed. We didn't really know. We just thought it was, you know, figurative, but we didn't know we were going to have that literal attack. But I go, we had that word then. And he goes, that word is still good today. <laughs> that word is still good today. See, that word hasn't fallen to the ground. The devil tries to come. He wants to snuff you out, but he won't succeed. It's the same. So sometimes we must become a co-laborer, even though we're already a joint heir. It needs something on our part to cooperate with God. So it's a relationship that God has with us. And there's a, there's a partnering. And if you're drawing away, like John talked about, if you're hearing what the Father is saying, you won't fall short of inheriting all that he has for you. So it's time to apply. It's time to apply what we've heard. I talked about John's sermon the last few weeks. I talked about Alan's sermon in 2016. In 1996, I said, knowledge without application is unfruitful. Probably one of my Bible teachers said that to me. And I just repeat, but knowledge, we can sit here and know stuff all day. But if we don't go home and apply it, it is unfruitful. So it doesn't matter what decade it's from, we've got to do it. We've got to do it. Uh, I wanted to end with the scripture, James 1, 22 through 25, please, out of the New King James. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I sat in church for five months. Well, you're the same. It didn't even, you forgot half the stuff they said. You didn't even remember when he said do homework. Like you, like, you had to listen to it five times before you got that part. But you listen once, run out, go to lunch. You're thinking about where you're going to go eat, okay? And you missed 10 minutes of it. And that was the 10 minutes that God wanted to get in your heart. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone 
we're all anyone's, is a hearer of the word and not a doer. He is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. What did he preach? I, I don't know. I forget, but it was really good that day. It was really good, good, good. Did it, are you any different? No. I, I'm the same, but it was really good. John ought to preach more. He's really good, but did it do anything for you? That moment it did, but uh, uh, how are you now? I'm the same. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one, this one will be blessed in what he does. Lord, bless us. Lord, bless us. We need to become doers. Lord, bless us. We need to become doers. We need to apply. John said, how many of the sermons at the Epicenter have you applied? He goes, I'll answer for me. Not enough. Stand to your feet with me. Lord, we come to you, and we say, we haven't applied enough. <laughs> you are enough, but we haven't applied enough. And so, Lord, help us in our weakness. Help us in our lack. Strengthen us, Lord. Let us be fruitful hearers. Let us apply. Knowledge without application is unfruitful. We don't want to just know stuff. We want to apply it so that we will get your results, God. Your results, your victory, the joint heirs that we say we are, we will display to the world. We won't be like them that we just move our car on Sunday. We will be like you. And so, Lord, help us. Help us, Lord, as we draw into you. We shall become like whom we behold. We behold your face, O God. We behold your face. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear, God. Give us heart to obey. And so, Lord, we want to obey you in all our ways. If you're in this room and you've never asked Jesus into your life, and if you don't know him personally, you can know him today. All that I've talked about is available to you. You don't have to do anything to earn it or deserve it. Just like we spoke earlier, the punishment is not ours. Jesus already took it on the cross for us. So raise your hand if you want to say, Lord Jesus, come in. I, I, want, to be, I want to be your child. I want you to lead me and guide me. Lord Jesus, I want a fresh start with you. And so, Father, I just thank you for any person that desires that in their heart, God, that you take them at their word. And, Lord, you are not a man that you would lie. And so everything that you say you will do, you will do. And so, Father, I just thank you to bless your people, to cause us to walk in your ways. And we're all going to go home and start listening to things over and over and over again. Because faith comes by hearing. And without faith, it's impossible to please you. And we want to please you, Lord. So I just bless you in the name of the Lord.